All right. Thanks for joining, guys. GM. Uh, no, no major updates today, so I'm just going to go straight into the questions. Uh, we have one from the Honey Badger. It says, how is the team feeling about the recent performance in terms of volume and fees? Are we losing some volume to new competitors like Phoenix, or is it seasonal slash low volume? Total volume for Solana is comparable to April, 628 million versus 662 million for August. And Lafinity's fees were 62.2k versus 51.7k. So using that as a comparison, it has been a poor month. Orca has done very well. Are there any other factors or is it just some variance on the performance in a low volume month? Yeah, so there's a lot of factors at play here. Um, hopefully I can uh, <laughs> not forget to mention all of them. So one is that uh, the comparison you make is a uh, monthly volume, but one thing to keep in mind is our revenue calculations go from the uh, 22nd of any given month to the 21st of the next month. And so it's not going to be directly comparable with monthly volumes that you'll see on uh, whatever dashboards, whether that's like Jupiter or um, like SoulScan or whatever. So yeah, um, yeah, those aren't a perfect overlap. So there's definitely gonna be a difference there. That's one thing. Um, but uh, yeah, going more big picture, let's see. So are we losing any volume to competitors? So that is a possibility. Um, if we are, it's probably to Phoenix because Phoenix has recently opened up their platform. They used to be closed. So they had... Um, like opened to specific market makers, I guess. Uh, not that I like know about these deals or anything, but they had like very decent volume even before they became open. Um, so they're probably they probably um partnered with some major and professional market makers, I would assume. Um, so the question would be like what. What kind of change can we expect when they open their platform up to the public? And if I had to guess, you know, it wouldn't really change that much. So there would be some new market makers, but especially for the major pairs, which is the ones we care about most, namely Sol USDC and all the related token pairs. Um, I think by opening it up to the public, those markets on Phoenix wouldn't be that different because there would already be the major market makers um, making markets for those markets and they would be professionals so they would probably be quoting pretty tight already um, and those are players that we've been competing against for months now because um, phoenix has been live in in a closed fashion uh, for a few months or so i don't remember exactly and they've been integrated with uh, Jupiter, and yeah, just by looking at the volumes they've had there, um, again, like pretty sizable even from the start. So all that to say, like I think probably not much has changed. Maybe a little bit has changed from um, Phoenix opening up its platform. I mean, their their volume definitely increases, but uh, again, it's probably like less so for the major pairs like Sol USDC, and more so for um, more minor pairs that professional market makers wouldn't be market making for. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if a ton of, uh, a ton is maybe an overstatement. I wouldn't be surprised if there were a bunch of, uh, market makers on OpenBook who were making markets for some, uh, smaller pairs who then moved to Phoenix because they knew that Phoenix had better infrastructure for market making. Um, so then you would see Phoenix's uh, volume go up because of that, for example.
Um, yeah, so that's that's my thought on like Phoenix, and I think that's the really really the only other like main competitor to us. Um, I mean, Orca is like sort of a competitor, but um, it's not like their liquidity profile has changed all that much. So, yeah, in terms of competition, that's basically it. Um, oh yeah, and I should mention like the the reason that this question is being asked is presumably because our revenue this month was pretty low, especially compared to last month. Um, almost a decrease of 50%, not quite, but um, maybe down 40% or something. Yeah, so I think that's why they're asking. And I think the main reason for that is just the volume, like Solana-wide volume is down. Um, oh yeah, and I should also mention regarding the uh, volume comparison between April and August. Another thing to keep in mind when doing these like big picture comparisons is that for us, uh, the vast majority of our liquidity and our fees comes from Sol USDC pairs. And so you have to ask like what percent of the total volume was came from Sol that month. Um, and that will significantly affect like our total volume for that month. So even if two months have the same total monthly volume, one could have much more Sol volume that same volume could be composed of a much greater percentage of soul volume. And in that case, you know, we'd have more volume. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Uh, let's see. Yeah, and then one more thing is like, um, as we've mentioned before, like we're still trying out new strategies. And that, of course, entails the risk of our strategy doing worse than the previous strategy we were doing. Um, and that'd be unfortunate, but it's still definitely worth it, of course. Like there's, like that's a risk you can't avoid. And the reason it's definitely worth it is that, you know, we only have to try it for like say one month to figure out whether it's a good strategy or not. If it's not a good strategy, then we just never do it again. And yeah, we performed slightly less good this month, but it's not like detrimental to us in to us in any way. Whereas if we try a new strategy and it turns out to be a good strategy, well, then we get to keep using that. And so the benefit we see from it is going to accrue to us not just this month, but for every subsequent month as well. And so we're still in the, um, we're still trying out new strategies, particularly for soul related pools um, and how we use our Oracle. So, um, and like um, soul soul-based pools make up more than 90% of our volume. Um, so it's like, it, like it, it, it really makes a ton of sense for us to optimize for that. So yeah, that's like also a possibility where like we tried a strategy and it didn't go well. So that can also result in less revenue for a month. Let's see, is there anything else? Let me read over your question again. I was thinking about recent performance, volume, and fees. Uh, yeah, I guess fees is also something we change. Um, sometimes we need to lower fees because that maximizes our edge. And still, that can at the same time mean that we get less revenue in total. Um, it's just that we have to lower fees because our competition lowered fees, so we have to like match it basically um yeah so that's another thing to consider uh, let's see yeah and when you say orca has done well like that's uh um I guess two things to keep in mind. One is that Orca has doesn't have fees turned on, protocol fees. So they're earning zero this whole time. And, you know, that obviously helps them get more volume. Because if the protocol isn't taking a fee, that means that LPs get more fees. 
And so people are more willing to deposit liquidity, which means they have deeper liquidity, which means they get more volume. Um, but the protocol itself is not profitable at all. Let's see, what was the other thing I was gonna say? Um, yeah, the other thing is uh, Orca obviously works very differently from us. So like they have tons of token pairs. And so um, they will benefit much less than us from Sol increasing in volume, whereas they'll benefit much more than us from basically every other token increasing in volume. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's about it. Um, hope that answers your question. All right. I'm going to go to the next questions. We have Rawr Man. Nice to meet you. I think I, I, have, I haven't, I don't think I've seen you here before. So welcome. Uh, awesome to see you guys participating in the Helium ecosystem. Do you have a liquidity target range for the HNT pools? Where did the initial tokens to seed the POL come from? All right. Uh, I guess you joined because we started... Um, Market making for HNT? I'm not sure. Anyways, welcome. <laughs> Let's see. Do we have a liquidity target range? Do you mean like the ideal amount of liquidity that we'd like to have for HNT pools? Um, if so, um, sort of, but it's not like. So, one thing, it's not a fixed number per se because it depends on the total available HNT liquidity in the whole ecosystem on Solana as a whole. Um, usually we'll try to match that in a sense. Uh, or I mean, it's it's a huge factor that we take into consideration when thinking about how much liquidity do we want or like how much liquidity is optimal. Um, so it's a moving target. That's one thing. I guess the other thing I'll mention is that right now the liquidity we have for our HNT pools is probably too low. Um, we started with low amounts because we wanted to test the pools and uh, we are likely going to increase the amount of liquidity in the future. Um, but yeah, to be determined, we'll see. And uh, where did the initial tokens to seed the POL come from? So our protocol owned liquidity uh, basically comes from our VE IDO. We took most of the funds from the IDO and use them as protocol owned liquidity. So like almost all of the liquidity in our pools, all the pools come from that. Uh, there's like a tiny amount of external liquidity. Um, but yeah, that's where the POL comes from. And uh, your next question, are pool deposits completely shut off at this point? Meaning there are no more uh, Lefinity token emissions into the circulating supply from any source? Uh, no. So there are team tokens that are unlocking on a monthly basis. So uh, I think that is the only source. Uh, depending on how you interpret it, like you can also interpret um, like unlocking VE Lifinity as new Lifinity entering the supply. Although like we don't calculate the circulating supply, like we consider all v Lifinity locked as VE Lifinity as part of the circulating supply. But technically, like, you can't sell VE Lefinity. Of course, you can convert it to X Lefinity, trade X Lefinity for Lefinity, and then sell Lefinity for USDC. But, yeah. So there's that, too, I guess. But it's not emissions. Yeah, so I think the only new new source, the, the only source of Lefinity that's newly entering the circulating supply is coming from uh, the team team's allocation unlocking. Yeah. Uh, next question. Is there ever a time where protocol-owned liquidity is net draining for a certain pool because there's a lot of excess liquidity beyond the target? Uh, hold on, let me try to understand this. Protocol-owned... I'm not sure I understand. Um, do you think you can rephrase that question? Um, just to talk about liquidity while you're writing that up, <laughs> I 
Like if we ever determine that we have excess liquidity for a pool, we will uh, remove it because like basically we'd be taking on more risk than uh, we're being compensated for through trading fees. So there's like no point in adding that extra liquidity. So we just remove it. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm asking about. Excess liquidity makes sense. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then uh, Roman says, that's right. I've been here in the Solana community since you guys launched, but I've paid more attention since you started killing it on HNT. Nice. Glad to see new people coming from uh, opening newer pools. Yeah, there's definitely um, a bunch of people in the community who wanted HNT pools um, around the time that Helium was talking about migrating to Solana. And uh, yeah, now, now Helium is here and it's looking like they've had a lot of success, which is great to see. And uh, like, I love Deepin overall so um and i wish i was uh where where you can get the uh helium mobile plan five dollars that's pretty sick <laughs> i wish i could get that but uh unfortunately not where i am <laughs> soon tm all right <clears throat> let's see lon fust asks hi when are you going to change lifinity for flares are you talking about the um, the idea that was being thrown around where you can convert your flare to VE Lafinity? <coughs> um, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, so for context for everyone else, there's a discussion of doing like a one-time thing where flare holders could convert their flares to like their proportional share of VE Lifinity owned by the Flare DAO. Um, so right now, so I, I threw that uh, that idea around in the uh, the Inferno channel, and I kind of asked around to see like what kind of demand there was for it. And uh, to be honest, I didn't see much demand for it. Like there was a, a few people who seemed interested but even then, like, not all of them were, like, 100% committed. Um, and, yeah, it's for us, it's, like, not really worth going through this whole thing <laughs> if, if there's just not much interest in it. Um, regardless, it would have to go through FlareDAO governance and be accepted there. So there's that as well. Um... And, like, from my perspective, I think it may only be worth it if Norbert is interested in it. Because <laughs> uh, he, like, sort of like him and the rest of the FlareDAO community is the people that would benefit most from it. Because he has such a huge portion of the supply. Um, and uh, it's probably, like, a night it would be a nightmare for him to like try to realize profit on that. <laughs> um, but he can kind of do that if you wanted to by converting it to VE Lifinity. And if he does did that, um, I think like people basically don't care about there being like this huge giant whale. Um, the Flared DAO community is not concerned about that, right? <laughs> um, but still like, for newcomers, they see that, and like uh, some people grow concerned about like what the fuck is this guy holding one percent or ten percent of the supply? <laughs> um, yeah, so like it, it seems like it could be a healthy thing, but yeah, if he's not gonna do it, um, or if like not a ton of pyromaniacs. Or in other words, those holding 10 or more flares are going to do it. Then, yeah, it just kind of seems like meh. So, like, uh, I'm not saying no 100%, but, like, I kind of tried to pursue it. And then I just saw very little interest. So I kind of stopped pursuing it. 
So that's where I am right now, personally. But I mean, you know, it's not up to me. Ultimately, it's up to the Flare DAO. So, you know, people can uh, try to make it happen if they want. <clears throat> <clears throat> All right. Rarman asks, is there a minimum viable version of Lifinity's proactive market maker that could be released to allow the creation of permissionless pools? I understand that a lot of magic is behind the scenes, but I wonder what it would be like to attempt a standard model without liquidity mining, of course. I'd love to spin up a pool and get even a fraction of the performance of the POL pools. Have users be LPs and take a percent as protocol revenue? Um, yeah. I've kind of thought about this. And uh, I think it wouldn't work for, for um, two main reasons. One is that um, the pool will likely... It'll, it'll struggle a lot to be profitable. Um, because the assumption in this model is that we're not going to make any adjustments or optimizations. It's just a, we create a pool, it's live, and it trades. Um, I think the minimum vi viable ver version, what it would look like, is a V1 pool um, with a certain level of concentration. Um... And then, like, it just trades, assuming the uh, <clears throat> the uh, pith oracle price, and uh, has a certain rebalancing factor so that it tries to keep the pool at a fifty-fifty balance. Like that would be the minimum viable version. And uh, yeah, the truth is, like, we make a ton of optimizations to our pools, and. In the absence of those optimizations, I think things would start to fall apart, unfortunately. Um, part of the issue is the amount of liquidity in pools. So as you probably know, uh, most Lifinated people know, that we uh, limit the liquidity in our pools. We uh, don't let people deposit. One of the reasons for that is because the uh, parameters of our pools um, are optimized according to that amount of liquidity. And if we allow people to deposit and withdraw freely, then, uh, yeah, like the parameters will be wrong. <laughs> they'll, they'll constantly be wrong. Like even if we, yeah, like, so, um, yeah, basically what I'm saying is like it, it needs optimizations else it's highly unlikely to be profitable um so that's one thing the other is that it would pit those pools against our other pools that have protocol own liquidity so they would kind of be competing with each other but like if they're competing with each other why why would lifinity want even want to create these pools that compete with our current pools like if we if we were lacking in liquidity then we would just add more liquidity because we have more liquidity to add if we wanted to. Um, so, like, personally, I love the the idea of, like, permissionlessness and just being able to add pools. And, like, um, things like immutability, um... Like, I, I genuinely like these things, but at the same time, like, I have to admit that these things are not a good match for the way Lefinity works. Um, yeah. I'm going to read the rest of your question, or maybe it was a follow-up or something. Uh, it's generally frustrating that Radium is the only good option for permissionless pools, though I do love Radium. Um, question is, I thought Orca also had permissionless pools. Am I wrong? And then Rarman says, are you looking at adding protocol-owned liquidity for other deep-end projects since you're a fan of the space? 
uh, yeah, I mean, we're always looking to add more pools. Um, not deepen necessarily, but I mean, definitely open to deepen. Like uh, the the pools that we look to add are not dependent on like uh, like the project's fundamentals. It's more about just a token and the the tokens fundamentals, not tokenomics <laughs> necessarily, uh, unless it's like a hyperinflationary coin, then we avoid. But but so what we need is one the uh, the token needs decent amount of volume. Two, it needs decent amount of liquidity in the ecosystem three it needs to have an oracle and four uh it probably usually needs to have more volume on centralized exchanges than on decentralized exchanges <clears throat> so like if there's a token that fits those criteria then uh, we look to add it <coughs> Uh, raw man says so basically a lot of the magic is off chain slash requires an oracle like the optimizations can't be done easily or at all on chain yeah the optimizations um i mean so uh yeah so the optimizations can't be done on chain because basically it's about like data analysis we look at um the historical trades going through our pools as well as through other pools and compare that. And we look at um, the uh, the trades going through centralized exchanges as well. Um, we look to check if like our pool is being exploited in any way, like it's if it's getting front run. Um, we look to see how close the, the Pith Oracle price is to the centralized exchange prices and um, how much of a difference there is there and uh and that, i mean it's part of the reason why we also use our own oracle um to more closely match centralized exchange prices for certain tokens uh stuff like that so yeah a lot of it cannot be done on chain i mean which kind of makes sense right because like we're relying on an oracle which is about off-chain stuff so um, unless that Oracle is perfect, which unfortunately it's not. Oracles are just hard. Um, Pith is great. I'm not, this is not a dig on Pith. Um, Pith is great. It's just, um, <clears throat> the, uh, price publishers are not perfect. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't think that's easy for them either. So, you know, um, but yeah, so yeah, things optimizations do involve like looking at off-chain data and it can't like all be done on chain unfortunately uh raw man says orca requires the token to be whitelisted once it is pools with that token can be created permissionlessly i see i did not know that that's too bad yeah i guess other than uh radium Actually, I don't know, but like, if all you want is a uh, constant product pool, I would assume there are some other protocols that let you do that. <coughs> Although, like, you know, very, like, not used much at all type of protocols. <laughs> um, I'm thinking like Cropper or Saros or like some of these very minor DEXs probably have that. Uh. Maybe Saber, too, for stable pairs. I forget if they're permissionless. Uh, Rarman says, I think a constant product pool, or constant product pools are awesome. I wish I could create one with a custom fee level. Huh, well, if they don't let you do that with a custom fee level, that would, like, such a obvious thing to enable. <laughs> that would be weird if they didn't, but... Yeah. Um, just curious, what kind of pool you are you looking to create, Rarman? He says Radium is the only protocol that still allows you to create constant product pools at all, as far as I'm aware. Hmm. That's unfortunate. I mean, I'm sh I'm sure like I was gonna say that the uh, code is open source, but I guess that doesn't really matter because you would need to get integrated with Jupyter for anything to matter. 
So, uh, yeah, you can't just like copy the code and launch your own expected to get value. Uh, and Radium's fee level is stuck at 0.25%. Hmm, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, especially for um, more minor tokens, like a 0.25, in my opinion at least, is like, it's too low for sure. Like, it should be like 1% or, or something like that. Because, um, like, price is so volatile for minor tokens that it's such a huge risk to provide liquidity that 0.25% for compensation is just not enough to incentivize LPs. Anyways, yeah, that's unfortunate. And also unfortunate that it doesn't really make sense for us to do permissionless pools. That would be cool. Um, but yeah. Uh, Rarman says, so there is not even a tiny advantage to be gained simply by using the Pith Oracle over not doing that? No, I think there is. So, like, uh, you know, let's say you made, like, the ultimate basic model, <laughs> um, which is you, you always trade at the, uh, the Pith price with uh whatever slippage more slippage the uh the larger your order um and uh there's like not even a a uh, rebalancing factor like the pool doesn't even try to get back to 50 50 say that'd be like the ultimate basic model and i think that would outperform a uh constant product pool but again, we're not really incentivized to um, create that because it would be competing with our own pools, even as they underperform them. <laughs> um, so yeah, we I just don't like see the the reason to do that. If that existed, I feel like it would be a value add to the ecosystem. Yeah, I. I think I agree. Um, but also, yeah, the, the use would be like pretty limited, I think, because um, like you, you could only do it for like non-minor pairs. So like Sol USDC down to, I guess, a bit more minor stuff like Radium USDC or Orca USDC, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, and it's also... <laughs> I, I just have to mention again, like, the, the part about optimizations. <laughs> because it's, like, not too difficult to imagine a scenario where these pools just where things go wrong let's say um so one thing to consider is that if there's no rebalancing mechanism then uh, the pool can easily get out of balance when all the trades going into it are in one direction uh, if people are just buying soul from it, because we're always offer offering the Oracle price, right? So um, you could, so, oh yeah, and then, so like, for example, take this in, in concert with the fact that sometimes 
pith oracle prices are systematically biased in one direction. So um, this is not a true example, but for example, there are cases where something like this will happen, where the sole price on pith is always um, slightly higher than the centralized exchange price. So say like 0.1% 0, 0 higher or something like that. Um, so it's systematically higher. And uh, when it's like that, then your pool, and if you use that price naively, then it'll um, gradually get unbalanced slash get arbed um, negatively. And uh, it won't go well for your pool. <laughs> Um, in the extreme case, the trades just go in one direction until one of the assets is emptied from your pool and you're just left with the other asset. And when that happens, that means you're only providing liquidity on one side, which is not the end of the world, but um, it means like, like basically you're just like not doing very good as a market maker. <laughs> it's like if you placed a... Um, a LP position on Orca, a concentrated LP position. It's like you're providing liquidity for Sol between $20 and $25. And then the price of Sol goes to like $18. Then now, now the price is out of your range, which means you have 100% Sol. And so you're like not market making anymore. So like that type of thing, similar thing can happen in this naive uh, version of Lithinity. Uh, let's see. Let me find where I last read your comment. Oh yeah, so you say, is there not even a tiny advantage to be gained simply by using the Pith Oracle over not doing that? Like basically Orca plus Pith. Isn't that much better than just Orca? Um... Yeah, I mean, when you say Orca plus Pith, it's not obvious what you mean by that. I think there's like a number of interpretations. It depends on like how exactly you implement that because Orca doesn't um, update its price. Whereas when you say plus Pith, that implies that it does. And so the question is, how does it update the price? <laughs> how, how does it update people's LP positions? It's just like a totally different way of thinking about things. So yeah, you you would need to like flesh out the details of how exactly that's done. Uh, and you say, hmm, makes sense. Maybe blacklist the tokens you want to have as protocol owned liquidity. Uh, we could do that, but so like, okay, here's a third factor. Say we make pools, these permissionless pools, but only those that do not compete with our pools. What that practically means is that we're only creating these permissionless pools for tokens that we don't believe we can profitably market make for. <laughs> so that means we expect these pools to lose money if people deposit. Or even if we optimize them. We're saying like even if we optimize these, we're not confident that we can make money. And yet we're creating these pools and open opening them to others. Um... That's like, so we're saying we expect people to lose money in these pools, but we're going to open them. And because, because I mean, we, like we make money from them, right? Because uh, we just take a, a a fee from their fees, a portion of their fees. Uh, we don't care if they, you know, have a ton of impermanent loss. Not, not our problem. I mean, and that's like the model of, you know, other, other DEXs, like basically every other DEX, almost every other DEX. Like Orca, Radium, whatever. It's like uh, they, the um, the difficult part of intelligently market making is outsourced to the users themselves, and that's why so many LPs lose money on these um, platforms. I think it it it's genuinely difficult. Um, and that's why there's professionals professional market makers and it's a highly competitive space um, anyways 
So, and I, I mean, like, that's fine. It's fine to have that business model. But, like, for us, it's, like, it's sort of, like, contrary to, like, what we've been um, putting forth all along, right? Um, yeah, so, <laughs> like, something, something hit, like, hits me wrong about, like, putting out these pools where, well, we're not going to put our money in it because, like, we don't trust these pools. But you guys can go ahead and put your money in it and uh, we'll just take a fee from it. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of, kind of, uh, what's the word? I'm not finding the word, but, like, uh, it doesn't feel good. And also, like, it's kind of different from, like, uh, Orca or Radium doing that because for them, like, that's their entire business model. So that's one thing. But for us our our foundation is like we have protocol owned liquidity and we uh we uh work to improve our market making strategy so we can um provide liquidity intelligently but then if we if we at the same time have this other part of our um protocol where like we have these permissionless pools where anyone can deposit and uh, and we're not like putting our money where our mouth is, so to speak. Then yeah, it feels feels like we're we have like two faces basically. <clears throat> Anyways, I think you know what I mean. <laughs> kind of ranting. So yeah, uh, continuing on with what you wrote. Okay, so it needs to be high volume, and you guys are probably already focused on making pools for most of that stuff anyway. That makes perfect sense. Sounds like you've learned this the hard way. Lol. Yes, I've had painful experiences with concentrated liquidity AMM ranges, even using a tool like Camino to create a tracker. Nothing is perfect except constant product. Dot 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 in my heart. Yeah, no, actually I I genuinely love the constant product pool design. Um I think, you know, in a sense, like the best some of the best times in DeFi were when there were only constant product pools. Like back in the uh, Uniswap V2 days, like those were the days <coughs> because um, that's when um, liquidity provision was the most egalitarian, basically, because um, there, there was no competition between LPs. It wasn't LP versus LP like it is right now. And, you know, I will say, like, ultimately, I think that's how it has to end up. Like, there's no avoiding it. But <laughs> back in the day, everyone would just, you know, provide liquidity in the same way on this constant product pool, this very inefficient curve. Um, and yet, like, everyone's everyone's equal everyone gets their proportional share of the fees uh and it's and it's very simple you just deposit there is no strategizing um beyond the basic like when to deposit and withdraw um it's great for liquidity mining <laughs> um yeah those were the days but but no longer we are moving on to more capital efficient grounds <laughs> yeah um basically it's just uh, a professionalization of the liquidity provision space which again i think is inevitable and you know also has its 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 positive sides i think it's better for traders because it means deeper liquidity right it's just much much worse for retail lps like retail liquidity provision is like it's becoming less and less of a thing because it's so difficult, uh, especially if like you're having to come up with the strategy yourself. It's just hard. Uh, I just wrote a thread actually on Camino. They recently released their analytics page where they show um, how their vault has performed 
relative to just holding the assets, which is like a really nice feature. Because I think a lot of people want to know that and not just the, the APY from fees because that doesn't tell the whole story. Um, and yeah, the, the basic conclusion that I drew from looking at a bunch of those charts was that it works really well for pairs that inherently have little impermanent loss. So stable pairs and semi-stable pairs like Sol, MSOL, and those kinds. Um, whereas it's much, much harder to profitably make money for volatile pairs. Almost all of them were losing versus just holding. Um, unless there was um, some kind of incentive. So if the incentive is large enough, then you can uh, beat just holding. And sometimes significantly too, if the uh, incentives are significant, especially. And there was one case where um, providing liquidity significantly outperformed um, just holding without any incentives for a volatile pair. That was for MNDE MSOL on Orca specifically. But yeah, that was the only pair that I found that that was the case. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, it's just like hard. It's really hard to make money providing liquidity. Very, it's a very competitive space. <clears throat> uh, Rarman says, any LP position I take is low competition, low leverage, AKA wide range or full range. And I'm thankful for the fees as long as I can get them because I know some pros will eventually come make my markets. Yeah, that's basically the way I go about it too. Like, uh, um, I almost never provide liquidity these days. The the singular recent example <clears throat> was for uh, BLZE. I got a airdrop and I sold half of it like pretty quickly paired it with B soul and just provided full range liquidity on Orca. Uh, and that pool had 1% fees, which is high, which is good because BLZ was like in price discovery, still is probably. And uh, like that worked pretty good for a while. Um, gradually liquidity increased and there was like more and more people make putting like highly concentrated positions so that my full range just gets less and less fees um, as well as like the uh, liquidity mining rewards of BLZE. So at some point I was like, meh, probably not worth it anymore and um, withdrew the LP position. <clears throat> yeah, like before that, I can't even tell you the last time I provided liquidity, I think. Um, I mean, Lefinity, <laughs> indirectly, but yeah, other than that, like, or I have to choose something manually. Can't think of when the last time was before that. Uh, Rawman says, great work on the protocol. It's criminal that there are only three of us in here. Keep it up. We'll be following. Thanks, man. Uh, nice to sort of meet you. And uh, thanks for all your questions, too. Appreciate it. Uh, does anyone else have any questions? Lord Lube, Honey Badger. Oh, geez. <laughs> and uh, do we have anyone on Twitter? JCX04, what's up? Oh, 
see. Oh, someone typing in the AMA chat. Ah, Lord Lube. Quiet OGs. Hope you're doing well, Durden. Always nice to hear your talks. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And it's good to have you in the audience. Uh, Honey Badger says, cheers, Durden. I'm good. Hopefully get the volume straight back next month. Circulating Lipinity down to 9% is also very good to see. Yeah, that is, that is like really cool to see. I mean, it's kind of crazy that like such a high percentage of the circulating supply is locked. Uh, JCX04 says, no questions. Thanks for the AMA. Um, yeah, I'm actually like, so one of the things I've been thinking about is uh, um, how, how to spread the uh, Lefinity tokenomics model. And the reason I think that would be good is not just, or yeah, so if like other protocols adopt it, when they announce it, they're probably going to mention us, right? But then also like all the people who learn through these other protocols adopting that type of tokenomics will indirectly learn how Lefinity works. Or even if they later encounter Lefinity, they'll already be primed and they'll have an understanding of like, how this token system works and like i think it's just a good token system like uh ve token x x token um so i am trying to get uh realms the uh governance protocol on solana to uh adopt this token model or basically like to enable it so so that projects can like easily opt in to this model um yeah uh which would be pretty dope <laughs> uh and yeah like one of the one of the benefits of this model is that like especially if you pair it with like a ve ido even though i think there's other ways to do it post token launch as well but if you like do a launch that's that like assumes a token locking event where people can choose to lock their tokens and get some kind of benefit for that, then like a ton of the supply gets locked. And uh, if you tie benefits to locking your tokens like we do, then like a ton of the supply is going to get locked. <laughs> uh, anyways. Yeah, so I'm trying to write this mega thread, but it may take forever. And it, and it may have no effect. <laughs> But we'll see. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in, listening to my ramblings. Thanks for the question, as always. Appreciate it. Uh, have a good one. I'll see you guys around. Peace.